if I can't have my friends over anymore, I think we should split up. I think so. <laughs> when we say stuff like that, I just know that you're going to extract that little bit of funny voice and you're going to put that right at the beginning of the podcast. Yes, that's <laughs> what we're going to do. I know you do. Welcome to Midsummer Maniacs, Episode 9. Hey, Maniacs. Hey, Maniacs. Tonight we are covering Season 2, Episode 4, Blood Will Out. The last episode of Season Number 2. And just as a reminder, if you let your kids watch the show, they can listen to the podcast. But if the show is too much for your kids, it's probably too much for the podcast. How, but- many, how many little kids do you think... Like Midsummer Murder. We finally, we just broke in, according to the statistics, <laughs> to the 18 to 22 market. <laughs> we finally got some listeners down there. When we break into the 12 to 15 market, that's when I'll that's, be excited. That's that's the <laughs> Midsummer slash Fortnite crossover podcast. That's right. Yeah, so. we got to work on that one. <laughs> Before we begin, we get news. News? News. Yeah, we should have a sound effect. Yes, we should have some sound effect for news. So uh, we're recording this on the 9th of September, but it goes live on the September 23rd. Maybe if you have news, you should do it like the... um, Kermit the Frog. No, (laughs) I went a little Kermit, but what I was trying to think about was the the old British newscasters that did it in... uh, like the American English, you know, yes. today on the waves, there was a boat yes. and a war and the queen. Look at our go. Are you sitting comfortably? <laughs> then we'll begin. <laughs> so what's the news? So uh, first of all, October 1st, Midsummer, uh, Midsummer Murders will be leaving Netflix. On this, the first? Yes. This is a huge talking point. It's on, a kerfluffle. It is full on kerfluffle. Uh, but just remember that uh, Acorn, Amazon Prime, and Pluto TV will still have Midsummer Murders. And Pluto TV is the, where they have the channel that shows nothing but Midsummer Murders. 24-7, baby. Sweet. All for free. You can't choose what episode you're going to see, but they just keep rolling by. Also, the official Midsummer account on Facebook teased us on the 5th of September with official... Midsummer Murder t-shirts. Merch. Merch. These included, one has a picture of the village. One has a, a phrase that says, I'm dying to visit Midsummer." One has, don't you think I look cool in my brand new Midsummer Murders t-shirt. <laughs> one way off in the background says, my blank went to Midsummer, and all I got was this blank. I don't know what it says exactly. Hopefully these are like first drafts of the shirts. But the one that I want is there is a picture of one that has a badge on it. If it has a badger on it, that's the one I'm buying first. A badger on the midsummer badge. Yep. On the co- it's the Costin PD. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. The Costin Constabulary. I'm sorry. Constabulary. The CC. And finally, the biggest news of the week is. You need to get ready for Midsummer Murders Season 21 coming to Acorn TV December 1st. December is not that far away. It's not that far away. And we will have watched all of the episodes we can by December 1st. (laughs) (laughs) We're so bad when something new comes on TV that we're really excited about. We're like, oh, we can't wait. We can't wait. 
we're go- we're going to ration them. We're going to watch like one episode a night, just one a week, one a week. Yep. And then we just watch them all, and then we're like, oh, we've seen them all now. Oh, let's start again. <laughs> <laughs> I suggest that maybe we live stream those episodes when they come out. Oh, like we record our responses to them as, as we watch them? As we watch them. We might we might uh, live tweet them. We could experiment. We, we could, could see. Something. If we still have a podcast by the 1st of December and we're sane, those are two checks in the box, yeah, in my opinion. Yeah. Or maybe we should goggle box it. And, and put up a Twitch channel of us watching Midsummer. I would I would also be up for that. I could easily set that up where you would watch us watching Midsummer on Twitch. Nobody's that lame. I'm so grateful for every single person who listens to our podcast that I would not put them through that. Oh my gosh. The next that week, be, the numbers would just drop. That would be so strange. <laughs> we have to come up with all this funny stuff because this episode, wow. Oh. There's just, huh. There's nothing to be excited about, about got, this episode. I, I got to say that there are home runs in this show. Badger's Drift is a home run. You know, I, I, I would. Death of a Hollow Man. Death of a Hollow Man. Run. I would even say Strangler's Woods is a home run. Blood, this is a bad bunt, if a, anything. Yeah, yeah. So it was filmed in June 1999, May and June 1999. Now, I want to shout out to Midsummer Locations on Instagram for setting us straight because we got some of the times that shows were filmed wrong. So, for example, remember when we had the, all the problem with the cult episode? Because we the, said it was filmed in the winter, and yeah, it was clearly not the winter. Because the foxgloves were in bloom. So Midsummer Locations on Instagram figured out what happened. Originally on Instagram, the shows were listed in production order, and then somebody reordered them in broadcast order. You mean on like Wikipedia? On Wikipedia. Okay, you said Instagram. Okay. Well, the, he's from Instagram. Okay. He or she, that person runs that account and they reordered them in broadcast order but didn't change the filming order ah uh, so so that, there wasn't some scene setter running around with fake foxgloves no, jamming them in the no. frozen ground so the midsummer uh locations on instagram account sent me a list of all the right times and dates and i absolutely appreciate it. that's fantastic thank, thank you. you very much uh, it was broadcast on the 19th of September, 1999. I can't believe we're not even into the 21st century of this show yet. Nope. And it had 9.99 million viewers. Or 10. No, 9.99. <laughs> this episode, we'll get into it. But this is the first episode directed by a woman, Maura Armstrong. She's a Scottish TV director fantastic trailblazer in the industry. Uh, so I was so excited that a woman had directed this. And then I was like, the directing's okay, but... Ugh. The writing. And then uh, written by, speak of the devil, Douglas Watkinson. This is his first Midsummer. I know how that went, right? We talked about this. Yeah. He had a list of ideas. He's like, travelers. Yeah, we ought to include those. And yep. the Falklands. Yep, yep. yep. That all Falklands and the travelers. Oh, Wife swapping. Wife, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, wife swapping. Yeah. And we'll make it boring. How can you make wife swapping boring? <laughs> they managed to do it in this episode. 
<laughs> and we'll cram all three of those topics into one episode. Everything together with geese. And all of it will be red herrings. And so many extras. Yeah. It's a big cast. It's gigantic. And includes Midsummer Juggalo. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta wait for that. Don't don't give that away. <laughs> okay. Let's do this, baby. I can't. I can't stop laughing every time I think about Midsummer Juggalo. He's in there. <laughs> okay, cold open. It's beautiful. We're in Murder Warren. Yes. Mar- it doesn't even have Midsummer in it. It doesn't even have Midsummer in it. We have a horse and a buggy coming up the road. It's Travelers, right? Yep. Orville Tudway. Then, for some reason, Costumer said, let's make Honeysuckle Weeks look horrible. Yeah. How can we do that? Okay, well, she's a beautiful 20-year-old girl. Pantsuit. Yeah. Okay. And and a pink helmet that looks more like a horse riding helmet than a motorcycle helmet. Well, what else could we make that pink purpley color? The pantsuit. Yeah. Because you always match your helmet to your pantsuit. Well, she is kind of a richie girl. Oh. Riding a janky moped. That (laughs) moped is jank. Totally jank. And I, I agree with you. I don't even think it runs. I think somebody added the folio in afterwards. I think it's like, it's a, that's a moped. Somebody in the background going, <laughs> <laughs> as she rolls down the hill. This is Orville Tudway. Yes. And he meets up with Peter Fairfax, who runs the store. It takes no checks. No. No checks. They take no checks. He and says, I got a letter for you. Yeah. So Peter's got a letter that was sent to the grocery store for Orville, and it was he it was received a little bit after Easter. And Orville reads the letter, freaks out. But what time of year is it now? They don't say. Like how long has Peter had this letter? Probably at least a couple of months, I would think. Because he's clearly dying to know what it says. Yeah. Like as soon as Orville opens it, he's like right there over his shoulder like, ooh, what's it say? Can what's I read it, it? Can I see it? Can, can I see, I see, it? Can I see it? it? But all that time he's just kept it next to the register, just not yep. opening it. And would Orv- you, you would have opened it. I would have opened it, it two steamed, seconds later. had the kettle out steaming yep. that baby open. Orville who? Mm-hmm. The letter freaks out Orville. And then he's full on voiceover. Crazy talk. Yep. Where he goes, it's bad news for somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're back to the watercolors. Yeah. We we had no watercolors in season one, and then we have them for the first two episodes episodes of season two, and then not for the third, and then they're back. Do. like I don't think there's a, a secret conspiracy of watercolors, though. I don't think there's any meaning to whether they're there or not. I think it's a matter of, do we have stuff that we can show the titles over? Yeah, they they needed some B-roll, and they didn't have it, so they had to put the watercolors in. Yep, and I think, but I think this is the last time we see the watercolors. That's what you said last time. I was wrong. <laughs> and we cut from the awesome watercolors to the torture of Tom. So Tom needs some new clothes. His pants do look a little tight. And uh, we are shown Tom in tight pants quite closely. Mm. It's, There's it's Tom Crotch. full-on Tom Crotch. Yeah. Cully asks for another size. Now, the Francis Lee plays the shop assistant. Mm-hmm. And as soon as Gavin gets there, which on rewatching last night, I was like, how does Gavin know they're there? Yeah. Oh, hi, Gavin. Like, 
Gavin has no idea that they're there. He's just wandering the streets of Costa and goes into a store. Look, it's the Barnabies. You know, I don't know, because in this episode, Joyce and Cully have been brain-swapped with some possessive, over-controlling oh. women aliens. It's the diet episode. I wouldn't if you be hadn't surprised by now. if they texted Gavin and said, come here. No human. Tell him his pants are too tight. This diet would not work on any human being. No. I mean, you might lose weight, but until you ate a meal. Like, I'm surprised Barnaby didn't go hangry here. Well, he's, he got, he's hangry the whole episode. I think so. Because he's living on cabbage soup and raw vegetables and Hangry fruit. Tom. He's hangry. Yeah. He, he is aggressive in this episode. He, wow. So he's like, whatever. You're on my size. I'm off to Marks and Sparks. Marks and Spencer. You can't blame him. No, definitely not. And also, they're like, you've been eating too many canteen lunches. Learn to cook, woman! Yeah, really? What are his options? Is he going to take leftover sheep neck and stewed grapes for uh, lunch? <laughs> and they're all like, diet. Like, they all agree upon it. I'm e- like, except him. Does Tom get a say in this? I'm disappointed in Tom. The fact that he goes along with it. Just why he doesn't put his foot down. Especially because he's hangry. The whole time. Okay, Fleur goes to get her thing fixed, her moped fixed, and it's totally implied that her and Will Saxby are doing something. Yeah, but he's her dad. He's her dad. Yeah. And his wife, Muriel. his current wife. Yeah, Muriel's goes, all jealous. He's all jealous. You're jealous about spending time with your daughter? Apparently. I guess so. But that, there's this weird thing. So... Orville's kind of like, I don't know, he's like a legend, apparently. I guess so. He comes back to town on a somewhat regular basis, maybe an unpredictable basis, because he certainly knows plenty of people who live in Murder Warren. And when he shows up, it's like, Orville's here, Orville's here. Hey, hey, Orville's here. It's like you expect there to be a dance number on the street. Like, yeah. Orville's back in town. Hey. Yep. So, he, you know, he pulls his wagon up in Will and Muriel's pasture. And Will's all like, sure, you can stay. And Muriel's like, I don't know. But then when they're talking to him, they're petting his horse. Like they're being made to pet his horse. Did but you notice that? They're, okay. They've got dialogue, but they're like, pet, pet, I pet the horse. I pet, like, there are so like a little many kid animals. pets an animal. There are so many animals and so many extras in this episode. It, I, I think they lost some of the plot by having so much going on. Yeah. Like, just the fact, there's at least four different horses. Oh, plenty, yeah. And sulkies and all sorts. (laughs) There's no sulkies. (laughs) Yeah, that's what they're called, the the chariots. No, I thought a sulky was a a Celtic water horse that drags people into the the water. I'll look it up, but I think that's what they're called. (laughs) They call them chariots. Yeah. And I thought... I thought Barnaby was making fun of them calling them chariots, but that's what they, th- somebody else calls them chariots later on. Okay. So we're already talking about the chariots. Okay. There, there's something I got to know about them. Okay. okay. When you ride one of these things, so this is the two wheeled cart yep. that they race behind yes. the horse. Yes. You sit with your feet wider than you do at the OBGYN. Yes. Okay. Behind a horse. Yes. That's running. Yes. How do you not get horse shit in your face? Okay, first of all, usually horses, 
when, when they need to relieve themselves, they're not running. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Second of all, it's not horse crap that you're going to get in your face. It's all the mud from their hooves. Yeah. You're just gonna covered with stuff. And, and your legs aren't even out in front of you to kind of block it. Nope. I, I don't know why their legs have to be so akimbo. It's, as they're riding on those things. what they like to do. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't grow up on a farm. You grew up on a farm. I'm just saying it looks a little messy. <laughs> I don't want to ride in one of those chariot things. Speaking of Orville, he arrives while the Saxbys are fighting. Just walks in the door. Yeah. Bad moment? <laughs> you haven't seen me in years or whatever. He suggests he's going to bring one or two friends. And then he looks directly at the camera. Yeah. And like, goes... <laughs> like, you know, it's going to be more than one or two, right? Yeah. You're in like, I was almost ready for direct address at that point in time, which has never happened in no, Midsummer no. Murders. But. If anybody should, it should be Tom looking at the camera going, I'm hungry. <laughs> Please send Mars bar. Feed me. So then we meet Fleur's parents, Hector and Trisha, who are just awful. No, it's Hector and Jenny. Oh, that's right. See, you're doing it too. Oh, it's so hard to keep track of. This episode with all the wife swapping and all the extras and all the red herring parts, the names get all screwed up. It's it's because this episode is a soap opera of red herrings. Yeah, there are not enough murders. I'm sorry. It's the young and the red herring. Yeah, it is. There are not enough murders and there's too much crap going on in the background like hector gets killed and nobody cares they're like good anyway on with the show on with the show fleur wants to go to america and basically blackmails her mother because she knows that her and orville are wanting to do the rumpy pumpy rumpy pumpy casual sex what's that smell is the next thing that's asked (laughs) and that smell is cabbage soup (laughs) but it's it's Oh, God. It looks it, like kale soup. It, oh, my gosh. He's allowed to eat as much of it as he wants, and they give it to him for breakfast and dinner. No human can exist on cabbage soup alone. No, no. It's cruel. And Joyce is cooking it, so it's probably worse oh. than just cabbage soup. It's probably bad cabbage soup, which is saying something. And it's fresh fruit day, so he can have all the fruit he wants, but Except no bananas. bananas. Because there's a whole another day just for bananas. And... Troy drops a joke there, and it just clunks. It's a clunker. So, okay, Tom is Troy's boss. Yep. How does Troy think he's going to get away with policing what his boss eats? Apparently, it's how it's done in England. Just let one of the people who work for me try that, and we'll see how long that lasts. No. No. But Troy also arrives with the story of a stolen goose. Yes. And it's like... This episode is like, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll have a stolen goose, and then we'll tell goose jokes. <laughs> What's good for the goose is good for the gander, see? Wife swapping. Look at all those see? goose jokes. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh. This episode, the goose being stolen is taken directly by Hot Fuzz. Oh, yeah. I love Troy trying to count the geese, too. Counting animals is tough. I have had to count animals in my life, and it is one of the toughest things I I've know, ever had but to do. It, but it, it plays like it's supposed to be this hilarious joke that Troy is trying to count these geese, and doesn't he look it stupid? just falls flat. And did you notice that Fleur is, like, all over him? Oh, yeah. Like, and I'm like... In every scene that they're together. I'm like, that's weird. 
Like he's young, she's young. She wants to get out of there. I guess, but uh, in any way, but it's she so can. far in the background. It's not even interesting. Well, that's how he gets distracted from counting those geese. You know, there's a pretty young thing back there. So it's so. Ugh. Hector blames Tudwell, and he says he's a ditty coy, a word I'd never heard before. Well, I've seen this episode a bunch of times. I never paid any but attention to it. didn't pay any attention I to it. I just thought they're travelers. It's a, in Britain, it's a, one of a group of caravan-dwelling roadside people who are not true Roma. They're half-blood. Yes. Diddy Coy. They're half-muggle. I guess. Half-gypsy. The, ca- the geese can't fly away because their wings are clipped, so Barnaby suggests they walked. So I looked up Diddy Coy on the Urban Dictionary. Yep. Because I really wanted to know, when you encounter a term like this, you got to know, is this an offensive term and I just don't know it? Yeah. Because I don't want to drop it if it's actually an offensive term. And Urban Dictionary is great for that kind of stuff. Yes. (laughs) Because it doesn't say that anything's offensive. You just assume that it is because it's on there. But the examples are always great. Yes. And and the example sentence, uh, one of them for Diddy Coy is like, Dang, that Diddy Coy done stole our geese and our batteries. <laughs> our, our diesel and our batteries. Our pigs and our geese. Yeah. It's, um, it actually comes from a Romantic term. It's like Diddy Kai, which is it's like a term of like respect, but it's been bastardized. Yeah. When I first heard it, I, I thought maybe it was Puff Daddy's body double. Maybe. Diddy get Coy. It, get it? Yeah. Daddy. That's a better joke than Troy makes <laughs> I almost dislocated my shoulder reaching for that one so hard. <laughs> so the traveler camp is getting full with an invasion of travelers and Troy and Barnaby are off to see what's going on. Yeah. The Saxbees do nothing but fight. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and the, he asks them what he had for dinner. And he literally goes through the most luscious description of goose dinner you could have. <laughs> Tom's t- like licking his lips. <laughs> Tom's like, I'm so hungry. Oh, uh, and, and, and bread pudding too. Oh, was it good? Can I, can I have, is there any left? No, none left. Troy's over there. No, you can't have anything good. None for you, cabbage soup. And they talk a little bit about people don't like Hector. Somebody even tried to kill him. Yep. Six or seven years ago. And Tom says that was before my time. Which was weird. Where was he six or seven years ago? I don't know. Not in Costin, apparently. He would have been in Costin. uh, It's just. The question is, where did he transfer from? Maybe he was in the hustle and bustle of London. What continuity? Oh, no, remember, he's an MI5 agent. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's a later episode. Mrs. Dinsdale arrives and says, all these people have to go. And this, dear listener, is the scene in which, if you look very closely, there is a juggalo in the background. <laughs> he's got crazy hair. He doesn't have the face makeup. But that's only because they took it off him. And, and somehow, this is the second time that we've managed to mention Insane Clown Posse in our Midsummer Murder podcast. <laughs> and it makes sense. <laughs> I will post a picture of said Juggalo Smith. I thought that lady in the back row of the Ramblers meeting had crazy hair. Oh, no. But this kid has her top. Or maybe, maybe this is her son. Because they have the same kind of like... Pokey hair. Po- pokey bunches... All over. I'm just thinking if you're a traveler and you don't have regular access to like a nice hot shower or hair gel, the last thing you're going to do is put a whole bunch of tacky 
gel in your hair and spike it up. That kid can't even lay down. No. Except on his face. Yeah. Because Maybe it goes out in every direction. Maybe you should lay I'm down. I'm so excited stuff. about the juggle in the background because there's so little else of interest in this episode. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Mrs. Dane's, Dinsdale's upset. What about the ones by the church? They go off to look at the church. And then... Oh, uh, no, wait. Troy is kinky. Yes. Well, no, we haven't got there yet. Oh, that's right. Because that's, right. that's the other traveler group that's at the church. the Smiths. You're right. The, church. the Smiths. So there's two things... Okay. Two things that bother me about this episode, because there's a lot more than two things, but two things. It's they don't understand Troy and Barnaby. First of all, they talk about the Bixby ladies, like her looks. They evaluate her based on her looks. Saxby. It's Saxby. Sorry, not Bixby. It's not Bill Bixby. Muriel. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. The Who's Hulk t- would make this a better episode. <laughs> <laughs> Who talks about Muriel's looks? Troy does. He goes, well, he, he goes, it's half bad given her age. Yeah, he, he says that kind of stuff all the time. Okay. And when we get to the second one, I'll bring it up. But I stand by that they don't understand Troy and the, the writer. Army. Yeah. Okay. So he's eating fruit. He gets his apple. Someone's crying in the churchyard. And they figure out that he probably had. Um, Orville probably stole the goose from Hector to taunt him. Yeah. And then there's like this weird Pink Floyd reference about bricks and walls and stuff. There's this ongoing metaphor of a wall, of, of little bricks of, of wisdom that Troy should be building a wall with. And it's part of his education. Yeah. And again, and again, they don't know them. No, that's not the kind of thing they say. I wonder if they've watched the show. Well, they clearly have decided, they being the writer of this episode, has clearly decided that Tom is a henpecked husband who, who, who just rolls over who just rolls for over. the women in his life. And then sneaks, like, Tom would not do that. No. He'd eat a Mars bar right in front of them and say, I want it, so I'm going to eat it. Yes. We find out that everybody in the second camp, last name is Smith. It's a way to avoid prosecution. Right. So we including get, Juggalo Smith. <laughs> so we get John Smith, grandfather of Michael and Rachel Smith, yeah. who are brother and sister. And they call Troy Kinky. Yeah. <laughs> Which we find out later why they call him Kinky. Which Troy is all upset about being called Kinky. It was kind of out of nowhere. It was kind of out of nowhere, but like... If somebody walked up to you and said, hi, I'm Michael Smith, perv. <laughs> You'd be a little perplexed, wouldn't you? <laughs> How did you know that about me? <laughs> you just met me. There are other things in this camp, including the guy with the acoustic guitar and the acid wash jeans. Who just seems to be there to strum and, and stare off. Just, ugh. All of the extras, because when they get to the Smith camp, they kind of circle around, right? They circle around Tom and Troy and... As the camera changes angle, you see weird extras in the background. And yeah, this is, you're right. This is where we get Juggalo Smith back there. Yep. But the, the people in the background are, are trying so hard to look suspicious and kind of sketchy and sneering and yeah, yeah. And, and they're trying so hard. And there are just so many of them. It's, to be honest, the frame is crowded. Yeah. And I think that is one of the problems of the episode. Yeah. But is there, are they trying to establish some kind of cultural difference between Orville's travelers and the Smiths? I think they are, but I don't Orville's, think it comes through. Yeah, Orville's, Orville's wagon 
is classy. And it's he beautiful. breaks up the kids. Yeah. And he has good, kind words to say ever, say to everybody He's when they He's teaching them how to ride horses. Yeah. And they seem to have that kind of traditional sort of traveler community. culture and community. Yeah. And then the Smiths are more seen as like these kind of traveling, kind of roustabouts. They're criminals. Looking for little jobs here and there and like, yeah, yeah committing small crimes. And they're clearly not supposed to be the kind of classy traveler that nope. Orville's gang is. Nope. They all figure out that they're going to be here for something on Saturday. Yeah. On the way back, Barnaby notices the flowers where he saw the man crying earlier. And then Troy, who is very full of himself at this point, says, we're on a wild goose chase. One of us had to say it. And it's like he's dropped another clanger. Like, just... But Tom's reaction is even kind of like, yeah, I knew when you weren't going to let that go, obviously you were going to say that. So they go back to the station and... They find out that somebody tried to run over Hector Bridges seven years ago, and he was found by his wife at that point in time, which is Muriel. Mm -hmm. Who's now Will's wife. Will Saxby's wife was originally married to Hector, and Hector's wife was originally married to Will Saxby, making Fleur Will Saxby's daughter. Yeah, and Jenny's daughter. They make wife swapping boring. I don't know how they managed to do it, but they do. I don't know why they would have ever swapped in the first place. I don't know why any of those people married each other in the first who place. Who would want to be married to Hector? Well, you know who I want to be married to? I want to be married to Troy because he cuts up the apples to make them look just like chips. <laughs> it's so convincing. Tilly Dinsdale calls again. Mm -hmm. Now, like, at this moment, I'm like, this is another sister figure who all she does is call the cops on people. Yeah, and she's like the third wheel with her sister and her sister's boyfriend or spouse, and she's a nudge and a hassle. Which is what the lady from the cult was supposed to be. Yeah. But she's charming and interesting. Yeah. And this lady is annoying. And the Rambler sister. Yeah, the Rambler sister. Who cut the puzzle pieces up couple episodes ago. So we find out Felicity, her sister. So Tilly and Felicity are sisters. Mm -hmm. And she's, Felicity is knocking boots with Peter Fairfax. The grocer. Yep. Knocking boots and playing Scrabble. Tilly's gonna, it's not Netflix and chill. <laughs> Tilly's going to call Hector and, and Fairfax says, Peter says, Hector only makes things worse. Yeah, because Tilly's convinced that Hector's like this stand-up guy who gets things done. It's just more soap opera. Yeah. It's just more soap opera. Because he's all bluster. Yep. We're back to the Barnabys, more cabbage soup, and Barnaby goes to bed. And wakes up with cabbage soup sweats when uh, the phone rings so in the middle sweaty. of the night. He's so sweaty. Like, what, what did they do to him? He's, he's hangry and going through withdrawal for food and... Tom's got the cabbage soup sweats in the middle of the night. Oh Poor my man gosh. He, wakes up. Fleur's on the phone pretending not to be Fleur. But it's clearly Fleur. Yeah. The travelers are going to get beat up by Hexer and his bunch of boys. So now not only do we have Diddy Coys, we have Squatties. Squatties. Yep. And Fleur is calling and she's at the Saxby's. Diddy Coys, Squatties, and wife swappers. Oh my. I can't even I guess. say that. <laughs> 
So these are squatties. They're military people in military clothes. Mm -hmm. This is highly illegal. You can't just call out your squatty buddies to go beat up other people. Yeah, because though Hector is retired and and, um, his friend, who seems to be kind of organizing the rest of the guys, looks to be of retirement age... The rest of them look rather young. So you can only guess that they're maybe active duty or maybe they're like... I would assume they're active duty. Reserves, kind of. Something. But they don't just have their old uniforms. They have access to military vehicles. Well, luckily, when their vehicles drive up, there's nice bright lights. Yes. Hector's house is lit up. Those motion sensor lights are obnoxious. They're on, they're off. It makes no sense at all. No. Troy goes, we need some backup because he's not ready to fight a bunch of squatties. And Barnaby has a plan for that. And he goes in, and this is this this is real Barnaby here. Yeah. Because he goes in and he says, we have some news about your goose, knowing full well what's going on. He's and, like, distraction, distraction. Yeah. Okay, you're going to make me put the hammer down? I'll okay, put the hammer down. Here's the hammer. And Hector goes, isn't it time for you to turn a blind eye? And Barnaby says, I don't do that. No. And Hector has a bat. A rounder's bat. So what's the difference between rounders and baseball? Well, it's an ocean. That's the difference. I think there's different rules, but it sure looks like a baseball bat to me. The bat is the same. Yeah. The game may not be the same. But Hector is like all blustered. And and Tom's just like, don't make me call it arm response. And he's like, we'll have arm response here in 20 minutes. And Troy's like, okay. Yeah. And he's like, I guess we got to call it off then. They don't have an armed response unit. Oh, Wouldn't Troy know that? I would think Troy would know that. Because there have been some times when they could have used an armed response unit. Yes. Anna but, Massey with that big knife? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we have constables with pokey sticks, but yeah. no armed response unit. Right. Another thing, and this is Greenland here, but when they leave, it is clearly daytime. Yeah. When they're packing, when the squatties are packing up. They just have a blue filter over everything to make it look like night. And Hector's standing in front of the window and there's a morning sunrise that you can clearly see. So now Tom has not eaten real food for over 24 hours. And not slept well. He's been woken up in the middle of the night to go deal with a pompous ass. Who likes Barnaby. His wife likes Barnaby. And it's only going to get worse. Yeah. So right in the middle of... An argument between Hector and Jenny. Jenny. She goes, you want some tea? And he goes, yes, please. <laughs> but I really think we should get divorced. I mean, really. That's like in the, the middle line. of divorce. Like, oh. And, and just... his ultimatum is, you know, I used to have my friends around a lot. And then and then I didn't anymore. And, and if I can't have my friends around, I just think that, we, you know, this just isn't working. She's like, okay. Yeah. Like, what kind of ultimatum is that? It's just... Poorly written and poorly acted. No, he's an asshole. That's what the problem is. I mean, his ultimatum isn't, you know, I don't feel like we connect anymore. We don't do enough together. He does say we used to laugh. Yeah. We don't do enough together. And if we're not interested in spending time with one another, maybe we shouldn't be married to each other. That's one thing. That's not what he says. No. If I can't have my friends over anymore, I think we should split up. I think so. (laughs) When we say stuff like that, I just know that you're going to extract that little bit of funny voice and you're going to put that right at the beginning of the podcast. Yes, that's <laughs> what we're going to do. I know you do. And if you're listening, if you don't listen to the very end of our episodes, Mark always puts a little Easter egg at the end of the music at the end of the episode. So if you're not listening to that, you're missing out. <laughs> 
There's there's some gems back there. Then Troy says, the Diddykoys have gone berserk. No, no, before the Diddykoys have gone berserk, you have probably the best filmed, most useless scene in the entire show. You have Fleur and Orville, who get to eat sausage. Who doesn't get to eat sausage? Yeah. Barnaby doesn't get to eat sausage. Never. Orville's got extras, but he doesn't get one. No. The content is irrelevant. It's filmed in this very moving camera way in which there's slow pans from right to left. You got the campfire kind of crackling, a little bit of smoke coming up. And it moves in from mediums to close-ups. You're supposed to feel that there is some emotional connection going on here. Flora is supposed to be learning a life lesson from Orville. And until the very last line, there's no life lesson no, there. No, The last line is, we're going nowhere. We're not going anywhere, but you should be. Have a sausage. Have a sausage. <laughs> then it's Saturday. And the Barnabys are going to Blenheim Palace. No, they're not. No, because the Diddy Coys have gone berserk. And it's just as well they didn't go, because if they had gone to the Butterfly House at Blenheim Palace, Tom may have tried to eat them. Nom, 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 nom. They're like chips. Because he's just completely out of control. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, that's why they have to regiment his food so tightly. Because he has no self-discipline. On the way to the horse race, Troy runs off the road and they just leave the car there. Yeah. <laughs> it, it makes no sense. Because three of the chariots go across the road. It's like, well, I guess the event must be somewhere around here. Let's just park here. No, no, no they did not park. They Troy ran off the road. <laughs> he's in the ditch. And they just leave the car there. Because Tom is so grumpy. He's like, God, just give up. Just so Maybe if I can get Troy out of the car by leaving it in this ditch, I can get back in and get my candy bar. We have the chariot race, which is like a fate. Yeah. And somebody online corrected us today that it's not fed, it's fate. And they're right. It's a fate. But it's all illegal stuff. There's like... Betting and booze and hooch and... All sorts of crazy things. And Morris dancers in blackface and feathers. We looked it up. They're not in blackface, sort of. But with the reputation the show gets later on, this is not good. My favorite... So... I looked at several articles, and I know you did too, trying to find out the origin of this blackface for these Morris dancers. Because the other Morris dancers we've seen didn't have that on. Nice white shirts and everything. Yeah. Well, and all these Morris dancers seem to have on sunglasses too. Yes. (laughs) Um, Which I don't remember seeing before. And, And there's, you know, there's kind of a back and forth about the origin of this face paint and whether it's a racial thing or not a racial thing whether it's just hiding one's identity for the dance and that, you know, it has a different meaning. But my favorite was uh, an interview with one lady who wears the black paint, but only across like her nose and her cheekbones, Mm -hmm. like a stripe across her face. And she says she only wears it on part of her face because her daughter-in-law is African-American and she doesn't want to insult her. (laughs) I'll I'll give you an easy way to not insult her. Don't put black on your face. Yeah. There is that. That's just a simple little rule. So if somebody else out there has a more definitive answer for why some Morris dancers wear the dark paint on their face, we'd love to hear it. Because everywhere I looked, for every argument, there was a counter argument somewhere else that, that disagreed with it. I couldn't find a definitive source anywhere. So Troy does a little dance with the, with the dancers. Yeah. There are all these people from the village there, more than travelers. Yeah. Right? So this is like a party that everybody knew about. 
Now, I'm Hector, and I'm grumpy. My wife has just suggested that our marriage is probably over, and I bet I'm not getting that tea, okay? So I'm upset. So what am I going to do? Let's go to the Traveler's Race. So where is this being held? Is it being held on Will and Muriel's pasture? It's I not, think this is at the church. As we'll establish, they're on top of each other. Yeah, the church, Muriel's, Hector's, Hector's and the Saxby's all live on top of each yeah, other. Yeah, they're very Literally, close. in one case. Yeah, they're all, and Tilly, Tilly and Felicity, they're all very, very close to each other. Okay. The Stick in the Mud Club is there with Hector and... Mrs. Tillsbury or whatever. Felicity. Yeah. She's got her gloves on. And why did they even come just to yell at Barnaby? Well, I think, I think Felicity Dinsdale would have enjoyed it. Oh, I think she came because Peter's there. Right. But Tilly, her sister, yes, she's there to be a grump and to complain. And, and Hector's, Hector's. And Hector's there to be a grump and complain. Stick in the mud club. I have to tell you something about Felicity Dinsdale. Okay. She's played by Philida. Philida. Philida Law is her name. She's Emma Thompson's mom. Oh, that's nice. And she's been in everything. Well, of course she has. And she's had the same hairdo. Of course she has. Always. I love her in Kingdom. Yes. If you haven't watched Kingdom, it's Stephen Fry. He plays a lawyer in this little coastal town. It's not a mystery show. No, it's so good. It's just like a nice warm day, peaceful show. Kind of northern exposure-y. Yeah, I would say exactly the same Uh, She plays his aunt on that show. And Phyllida Law, she's just a a great actress. But but she always has that. It must be in her writer that she has the same hairdo. Yep. She's got to have that big bun. Hector goes home. He's upset. And I have a note here, 31 minutes and no bloody murder. He goes home and he fingers his guns. I don't understand why he puts his gun, like why he gets his gun out and loads it. Because he's a bully. He's like, well, I ought to go down there with my shotgun. Well, But he knows that's patently illegal. He's not going to do it. So he puts it down and he starts drinking instead. And Orville shows up and with says, the letter. John Lampson's letter, read it, read it. <laughs> And we find out that Orville was in the army with Hector. They were in the Falklands together. So the race is on. Tom even places a bet. Five bucks. He's happy to turn a blind eye to this. And a gun goes off. Barnaby loses his bet. Tilly hears the gunshot. Muriel hears the gunshot. Yep. Hector's dead. Without his belt on. Yes. Muriel found him. George is back. But he doesn't do much in this episode. No, except get to the crime scene incredibly fast they, with his whole crew. They don't know how to write George either. He's been dead less than an hour, and yeah. the whole crew is there, and Tom is just showing up, even though Tom was just right there. 34 minutes into this episode before death. i got to say, it's a disappointment. Yep. And the killer stole a wine cooler. A wine cooler with 40K. It's silver. Yep. It's old. It's fancy. It looks more like a punch bowl. How could we find a punch bowl? Hmm. Mm. Let's Con- poke the grass with sticks. Constables with poking grass sticks. Yes. Because you don't know. Maybe it's tiny. Maybe it, it's... No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they buried it 
maybe. I don't know. With the shepherd's pie? And why are they all clumped together? Like <laughs> <laughs> They're very close together. If you're doing a, a, like a fingertip search for a tiny piece of evidence, that makes sense. But I don't, they didn't really have any reason to think that there was any uh, evidence in the grass. No. But they had those extras. They were but already they in sh- uniform and they had sure, already given them sticks. So Sure have those sticks. Somewhere there's this, some. Because <laughs> this episode needs more extras. Somewhere there's some blind people wishing they had those sticks yeah. back. <laughs> okay, I gotta cut that joke. <laughs> Maybe all those constables are blind and they're not looking for anything. <laughs> they're just walking across the grass and you're making fun of them. You're oh, cold. I am. I'm cold. <laughs> Muriel gonna, heard the and you're shot. Gonna, you're gonna cut that joke. Is that an insensitive joke? I, I don't know. <laughs> Muriel heard the shot and saw a man leaving. That she describes as he has hair and is of a height. You got you got to give her credit though, okay? So Elizabeth uh, Garvey, who plays Muriel, you got to give her credit because she's acting like someone who is a bad liar. That's true, and that can't be easy to do. Yeah, because it's so clear that she's making it up as she goes along. And like, okay, forty minutes into this episode, Barnaby does a show off. Here, yeah. where he's like, I've figured this out. You used to be married to you, and you were married to you, and you used to be a man, dead. and you <laughs> used to be a goose. And, and how did you know all that? How? Because I have a brain. I'm just showing off. I'm just showing off. Oh, the travelers can't leave. They got to stay on. Yep. And they search Orville's caravan. No gun, no wine cooler. Don't forget, Muriel was also there to report when Hector got run over by the car. Yes, How whatever. How convenient. There's no recreation of that crime. I'm so distracted by that crime. I would have liked to have seen Hector almost get run over. He, that would have been nice. I don't know. He deserves everything he gets. But Barnaby has a plan. You, Troy, search the rest of, uh, I'll search the rest of these vans. And Troy, you go see the Smiths. Without a warrant. Because then I can enjoy my Mars bar. Yeah. <laughs> And then they go and confront, well, they, he goes home and then Cully, you know, who's, she's just the, the hint, the clue dropper. Yeah. Oh, by the way, dad, while I was auditioning for my tissue commercial, that's not a tissue commercial. I thought I would tell you that Stephen Miller or Stephen Miller, who works at the grocery store. He's a good guy. He's a good guy, but he swore he would kill Hector no matter what. Red herring. Yeah. She just like that's what they should be feeding Barnaby. He should be on fish. He should be on red herring because there's lots of it in this episode. When they go confront Peter in the grocery store, Tom is epic hangry. He is. He smacks his hand down on these magazines, (laughs) and it's made clear that he's smacking magazines. And I still don't know why. There's a close up of his hand. Yeah. And I just thought he kind of needs to trim his nails. Uh, There's just. That whole scene and there's that tries to be funny. The dome and, mirror. Yeah. And so they can see them coming well in the store. And, and, uh, uh, but that's when we find out that Stefan did three months in jail for stealing a motorbike. And Hector, who was a magistrate, like a local judge, sentenced him to three months in jail, yep. which is a pretty extreme sentence for a young kid. First crime. He also sentenced him to a red herring. Yeah. Because that's what he is. Yeah. So they're like, but you're Peter and you're the grocer, so you must know everything. He's like, I don't know anything. So we're going to go to Stefan's house. And we head over to Stefan's house. 
which is the darkest house in the world. Stefan is a poor kid. He can't afford electricity. No, he doesn't have any lights in his cottage. There were there were times in this episode in this cottage, I was like, I have no idea what's going on. Who is that? Who's yes. fighting? What, Who's punching What who? is going on? It's so dark. Where's Rachel? She's in the bedroom because this entire part is a soap opera. Yeah. But you work for the family business, tarmacking paths. Yeah, that little scrawny girl. She's the muscle of the operation, apparently. Keep away from Rachel. What? Like, there's too many characters, too many interactions, and too much soap opera. And so Rachel and Stefan are like Romeo and Juliet, you know, the forbidden love that just started the day before when he asked her to the movies. Yeah. And now, and now she's they cannot be separated overnight and can't be separated. Yeah, she'll she'll alienate her entire family. And she's known nothing but them, but Stefan, the grocer's boy. So Peter and Felicity are playing Scrabble. Tilly they seem comes so in. happy together. Tilly comes in and Peter asks Felicity about Tilly and Hector. And there's a nice scene here where she's listening to them talk about her. Mm-hmm. And about how uh, she had a Felicity, thing for Hector when they were younger, yeah. but Hector liked Felicity. And to, and Felicity would have never let her get anywhere near Hector. Hector, and she accuses Barnaby, which is the best joke in the whole episode. Yeah, I know who killed Hector. I bet you it was that Barnaby. Hardy, hard, hard. Well, uh, Tilly goes to bed, but she is awoken by the dark pig rustlers. The pig rustlers. Pig rustling. And they, they, that may be the best scene. I know you like the scene of, of Fleur and Orville at the campfire, but that silhouette yeah. of the of rustlers the at the top of the hill, the it's all good, backlit. That's a nice scene. Maybe, nice shot. Maybe that backlight is from Hector's safety lights. Maybe. Because maybe. <laughs> it's bright but enough. But the piggy looks great. <laughs> but it's like a Three Stooges scene up there. <laughs> and then Peter shoots one of them. He's like, ha ha, I got that one. <laughs> Barnaby arrives the next day because uh, he's called over and says that shooting thieves is illegal. It's clearly not a story in America. And then plays around with the Scrabble letters. And the second time we watched this, I was like, okay, I'm so disheartened by this episode. I'm like, you didn't put your Scrabble board away from the night before? (laughs) What are you, children? Meanwhile, I'm like obsessed with that giant pipe on the wall in Felicity's kitchen. Every time they cut to it, that big wide pipe with that big pipe strap on it. I'm like, what's in the corner? Does it lead to like a furnace or is there a fireplace or is that a, a, a heating element over there? Like what needs an exhaust pipe in the kitchen? Why would they put it at that angle and on the wall instead of and in the wall? At the same and, time. Wow, this scene is boring. Barnaby moves the, the tiles on the Scrabble saddle whatever it's called, mm-hmm. on the rack. From I love NT, which I immediately thought, like, Windows NT, because I'm an <laughs> IT nerd, to violent. Dun, Barnaby dun, would never do dun. that. Why not? Because he, he... In his hangry state, he is not himself. I, it's no excuse. Okay, if you fed me nothing but cabbage and raw vegetables for three <laughs> days, I would be the one wrestling well, this is pigs, a fruit day. Chewing so. on them. <laughs> We go off to Coston Woods to find Saxby. Well, don't forget, this is when Felicity tells Barnaby there's something of the night of Hector. Oh, yes. Something of the night. Children of the night. Children of the night. <laughs> like, Hector was a vampire. That would have made it good. That would have made it more he's interesting. Not, he's not really dead. 
He wakes up in George's <laughs> George's morgue. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a better episode. <laughs> would have been a much better episode. They go off to Costin Wood, and Troy trashes the car yet again. They're all looking at you, Troy. And laughing. <laughs> it's like this clear, flat kind of pasture. And Troy manages to find the one, like, one-by-one-foot sinkhole for the tire of the car. He cannot keep the car on the road. He cannot do it. And so this is this is supposed to be... So, so Will is a, um, a, a forester, right? Yep. And so he's at work. This is him at work. Yeah. In the forest. And by the way... Not really. Hector but, was a bruising fleur. Yeah. Like, he just drops it like it was nothing. Yeah. Why wouldn't somebody said something before? Anyway. And then Muriel just appears. Like, she psychically knows when people visit her husband at work. I got. I gotta. I gotta agree. It's, do you have that power? I, I do. Are you gonna appear at my workplace one day? If the cops show up, yes. <laughs> you just flip appear. Appear in your Range Rover. Yep. Let's go see Fleur. Barnaby goes. Hector never touched you. Like immediately. Like did they not? Not. Uh, I don't know. Me sort of sorry about that later. Saxby and Jenny realize that something's on. And suddenly Muriel's like, at least Hector could be fun. What what fun could Hector be? None. So, so we know that Hector abused Fleur. We find out later that he, he beat her. Right? We know that Jenny, Muriel, Will, Orville are all in on something. Yes. But why does Jenny stay married to him? I do not understand. When she knows that he's abusive, because he must beat her too. Yeah. And he, he admits that he hit Muriel for a lot less than this, right? So, and then Muriel's sticking up for him and not in a... Why would she even... I'm an abused wife? Yeah. She's like, oh, but he used to be fun. Like, what? Just... We saw nothing redeemable about Hector. Nothing. No, no, no. But they have an idea. Yeah. We run into Fairfax at the church. Hector killed his wife while his girlfriend. This is the second time that we've seen Peter in the graveyard. The first time we just kind of pan across him and there's just a gray-haired guy sitting on the bench. Yep. And now we know it's Peter. He's looking at some lily of the valley that he's planted over his girlfriend's ashes. And he has this is a good scene in the sense that he says, I didn't kill him because I found a new love in my life. Yeah. He has felicity now. Yeah. So he doesn't have to be angry anymore. Yep. Aww. Back to the traveler's camp. Old man Smith has taken a knock to the head. Yep. John Smith is dead in his trailer. John, George, are you put, uh, Tom, are you putting on weight? (laughs) It's just so heavy handed. Like who would say that? And Troy, yeah, at a murder scene, the body's still warm. He hasn't been dead an hour. Are you getting fat, Tom? No, we're in a tiny trailer, George. Oh, look, what's in this box? Red herrings. Hair jewelry. Oh, look, what's in this cupboard? Red herrings. Wine cooler. So I had, so I was curious about this. So I knew that, so he opens the box. We see this, this really fine, delicate jewelry made of human hair. And of course, that's why John Smith said that uh, that, uh, Troy was kinky. He was talking about his hair. His hair's not kinky. It, maybe he's got a little bit of a wave. No. Maybe. I've got kinky hair. I have kinky hair. Anyway, so we know that John Smith makes this very fine jewelry from human it's hair. gorgeous. Now, this is not a new thing, right? No. It's been around for a long time. The Victorians were well known yep. 
for making hair, mostly from dead relatives. It was a way, it was a memento of somebody dead. Yep. And that made me curious because I thought, wow, these people are supposed to be at least part Romani, so they're Eastern European. And I, I didn't know if that tradition existed in that part of the world too. Yes. And so I started the Googling, you know, and looking yep. it up and everything. Um, We're so going to get in trouble with our Googling for this show. (laughs) Making jewelry from human hair. No, it's not really that weird. Uh, You'd be surprised how many people do it now. Um, And of course, so big in the Victorian era. Yep. Huge deal. And so the first interesting thing I found was that not only were there instruction books on how to make things out of human hair, but they used to sell kits in the Victorian era. Everything you need except the hair. Oh, isn't that nice? Nice of them. Yeah. So you just got to go, you know, pluck some from your sister or whatever. Where is this? Um, but there still exists in England this Victorian Hair Workers Society. Okay. Though I have to tell you, I don't think their website's been updated since 1997. They have a website. That's what it says at the bottom. Yep. Um, <laughs> but apparently now. I have to link to that in the show notes. <laughs> It's a great website. Apparently, Why are we getting all these hits? Yeah. <laughs> Hair work is suddenly becoming a really big thing. Um, but the people who run it uh, not only support uh, the pre- preservation of Victorian hair jewelry and memento mori, that kind of thing, but they also sell horse hair okay. for the making of this jewelry. Okay. So you can now make, which I think is just cheaty. Because a horse's tail, the hair in a horse's tail is so much bigger than a human hair. Yeah. It's just, it's just cheating. It's like knitting with like great big heavyweight yarn. But that fact alone is more interesting than anything in this episode. <laughs> I don't know. There's blood spatter coming up. Oh, yeah. It's okay. not Mrs. Bundy level blood spatter, but it's there. <sighs> okay. They go off to see Stephen, and there's a big fight. Stefan, there's a huge fight in the dark again. Yeah. Michael's like, what are you doing with my sister? You got uh, You killed my grandfather. And then grumpy Barnaby's got to break it up. Stop, 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 stop. Stop, 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 stop. I'm so hangry. <laughs> I'm going to chew on one of you if you don't stop fighting. And they figure out that there's a different time for the shot than what Muriel's telling them. Yeah. So they She go, claims it was at 3.15, but Tilly's like, oh, I really, I maybe I could have done something if I had only, when I heard the shot at three o'clock during the race. Right after the race started. Yeah. So they go over to the Saxby's and go, you have a day to figure out your alibi. <laughs> what cop would do that? You know that question that you can't answer now because you don't remember? Will you? I'll give you some time to think about it. You better remember by later. <laughs> Thanks, cop. No problem. They call Tudwell's old army buddy and talk to his wife. Yeah, okay. No, you got to hold on a second. Because, so the Ministry of Defense has not been helpful, right? Which I don't understand why the Ministry of Defense would not be helpful. I, I understand that the Falcons' war might not have been a very positive or... And maybe they would be helpful, but not on the three or four day investigation timetable of Midsummer Murder. Nope. Right, where things happen rather fast. Yes. So, but they do have a list of the people who were in the unit that Orville and Hector were both in. And Barnaby says, I don't care. Just pick one. Just call anybody. Call any of them. And Troy just happens to choose Lamson. Just happens. And then he's looking at the 
at the map trying to figure out which of them they should visit. And he says, everybody I know lives on the edge of a page. Yeah. Again, this kind of weird. It's just strange. And Tom says, well, that guy lives just far enough away. We ought to call before so we pick go. Him. Yeah. But we ought to call before we go. Yeah. And they get his widow instead. Yeah. And that's when they find out the key to the entire relationship between Orville and Hector, which again, red herring, really? but. Was that the name of their unit in Argentina? But if Troy had picked anybody else. It would have been a different story. They wouldn't have known what was up between yep. the two of them. Yep. So they go confront Orville and he tells the whole sad story without a flashback. Nope. Would have been interesting if there was a flashback. <laughs> they would have had to get what's her name from the cult to pretend to be a military officer in the Falklands. Some something. Just uh, here I am in Argentina. Well, we can't do that because it would require too many people and too many other things. Like every other scene in this yeah. episode. Horses and stuff. Travelers are off, but not Orville. He's staying around because maybe he's a daisy. Where did you even get any indication of that, Troy? Troy's just making stuff up. Just insert silly Troy statement here. It doesn't, like Troy is smarter than that. So Barnaby uses the last bit of his energy from not eating real food to climb all the way up to the top of the church tower. And set Troy up there. Yep. Troy steals his candy bar. But here's the second part that I say is not Troy and Barnaby. In the glove compartment, where the Mars bar is supposed to be, there is clearly the enlarged bosom (laughs) of a young lady. Nipple. From page three, including a nipple. Yeah. That's not Barnaby and Troy. Folded to that page. Yeah. Folded open to that page. That is not Barnaby and Troy. No, they wouldn't have that in their they're, compartment. They're not those kind of guys. No. Remember, Troy gets the comic book and pets it. Yeah, they're not he page three guys. He watches X-File. It's, it's yeah. just, no, they're not page three guys. It just, I hated that part. And plus, Barnaby should go Bill Bixby at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Give me my Mars bar. Well, and and Peter's grocery store is right there. You could just go in there and get something. Just get something. Whenever he wants. But instead, he goes to Felicity's farm and gets the gateau. Oh, he gets the good stuff. Um, We find out that Hector was abusive after some drinks, and Troy is a psychic phone phone person. Mm Mm-hmm. Because he knows Barnaby's eating. He can tell. And Barry says banana and hangs up. That was, that's Barnaby. That was a good line. So why do you think Felicity is like touching Tom's hand? I don't know. It's so weird that both Jenny and Felicity have this crush on Barnaby. It's weird. Maybe he just comes across as, as needing to be taken care of. Maybe because he's so weak with he's hunger. He's so hungry. <laughs> His clothes are now falling off of him. The scene where he goes and gets in the car after leaving Troy and the church tower. Yeah. His suit looks like they've put a suit on him that's like two sizes too big. It, it stopped making sense. He's in the big suit. Yeah. Yeah. He, that, that's a Talking Heads reference, right? Yes. Okay. Some of us wouldn't know yes. the name of the document. So. The Talking Heads in the giant suits. Yes. yes. He's in his giant suit. But she's, Felicity's touching Tom's hand, and he's like, I don't care, lady. You can stroke my hand as long as I get this cake. Yep. <laughs> Do whatever you want. Gato. Just get away from my gato. Give me my gato. They pull in Fleur and the Bixby's to, to uh, police, station. police station 
only so that Jenny and, and Orville are left alone. I didn't really want to talk to you anyway. Then Can why didn't imagine? we watch a five-minute scene of it? Can you imagine if the police pulled you into the station with your spouse and your child and grilled you, and then at the end went, I didn't really want to talk to you anyway. No. I just wanted to get you out of there. Now, Jenny has a giant house all to herself. It's yep. an estate. It's a manse. With it's many rooms. Huge. Big, big bedrooms. With but, beds. But she goes to Orville's little wagon to the do the rumpy pumpy. Yeah, the shagging wagon to do the rumpy pumpy. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe she associates the house with Hector. Mm. Or maybe it's just a little, you know, badness doing it in the wagon. I guess. But if I was given the choice, I think I would choose the giant house over the little wagon. I would think so. And we, we, for, we forgot something because it's completely irrelevant. The whole Michael and Rachel and Stefan ending thing. Yeah. That, just, that John said to Stefan, instead of confronting him, said, I don't want Rachel to live this life. I want her to have a better life. Are you going to take care of her? And then when the Smiths leave the village. Oh, save me, shopkeeper boy. Michael stops and Rachel Did gets out. for 24 hours? With no bags, no luggage, no, no belongings. Nothing. They're travelers. They don't need bags. Then why do they have a big caravan full of stuff? Uh, I don't know. She's going to stay with Stefan. Bye, bye, they wave. They put Jenny in the cell overnight. But Troy's face, when he pulls back the little curtain of Orville's wagon, is like, ha-ha. They're at it. I got you. <laughs> like, wouldn't he have known from like 30 feet away if the wagon was rocking a little bit? Like, <laughs> did you really have to pull the curtain back and be like, I see you? Yeah. <laughs> So it ends up that Cully wasn't selling Kleenex. She's selling co- chocolate cake. It's not good. It doesn't taste good. And Barnaby's like, I beg to differ. And that commercial is so bad. It's so bad. I'm having a dinner party, and I got all this food from this great place that does carry out. And here's it food, and here's the food, and here's the food. But what he doesn't sell is dessert. No chocolate gato. No. And then she just sticks her finger, her fork in the cake. Bad hostess. Bad, Bad hostess. Bad hostess. Orville and Jenny are in the interrogation room, and she falsely confesses to killing Hector. Yeah. I was obsessed with a sign behind them. It says, <laughs> a couple of drinks never stopped him driving. The dead girl will. Bum, bum, bum. But that's the kind of drunk driving posters they had in the 90s. Yep. Jenny heard a row. Take the slag and run. Troy has arrested the wrong person because... Yeah, because Hector has never been a grosser bully than he was in the scene that we didn't see until now. Yeah. The way he talks to Orville about Jenny and Fleur. And they ta- they stop Fleur from getting on the plane. She's going to Milan. She's going to Milan. And we see the reenactment and blood all over Fleur's shirt. Yeah. The blood from... The last episode, <laughs> where there was no blood, we now have blood everywhere. Now, I don't know why I have a hard time wrapping my brain around this, that Hector can physically abuse Fleur. She's not a child. Yep. And one would presume Jenny doesn't have a job. No. Right? So she's home. Why would she have never stopped him from beating her daughter with a belt? Yeah. And why would Fleur have ever let him? She's 18. She's yep. over 18. She could have left. She could have gone to live with her dad, who's like, what, 
two feet away in his house, yes. why she didn't get out of there. I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. trying to like blame, blame a victim, but she seems gutsy enough to not put up with it. And, and be, when she and, gets and a she, gun in her hand, she ends it. Yeah, and she and she has options. She's not like beholden to him, it, unless she's really just money grubbing to try to get her ticket to America, yeah, and she's willing to put up with it. But that's not worth it. It makes no sense at all. No, why Jenny would have put up with it, why Fleur would have put up with it, why Muriel doesn't say don't marry him. He's an evil abuser. Yep, and we find out that John Kit. Smith was killed on accident by Will Saxby, who was planting evidence. Yeah. Oh, well, whatever. Does Barnaby look like a red trouser man to you? And then they ply him with food, and then, thank God, the episode is over. Cocoa van and bread pudding. And Tom is like, yes, please. Can I have some more food, please? So to sum up, probably best episode ever. (laughs) (laughs) So who's a better corpse, Hector or John Smith? I'd say John Smith. I'd say so, too. Just because I hate Hector. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to give Hector anything. And Hector didn't even really get blood on him. He was shot in his vest. Yeah. But Hector, uh, but John had to pretend to have a big head wound. Yeah. And he, all those there, people had to step over him and stuff. There was some makeup th- going on there. They at least had to, like, smoosh his head with some yep. fake blood. Yep. And he had to lay there while George, like, straddled him and Tom was fat. I, I know it's and, sad that Fleur was being abused. But she committed murder, mm. even in self-defense, okay? Mm. Uh, Will Saxby killed another man, planning evidence. Mm-hmm. Muriel knew everything. Yeah. Jenny knew everything. Yeah. Muriel lied to the police. Orville knew everything. Orville knew. All of those people should go to jail. Yeah. Every last one of them, jaily, jail, jail, jail. Yeah. And then maybe the writer. <sighs> maybe. For, for this horrible episode. Yeah. They didn't learn anything from the last episode in which they waited years to get revenge. That shopkeeper holds up the red pants and Tom should just grab them and just chew on them. I'm so hungry. (laughs) And, And this is such a letdown after like this second season has some great episodes in it. It's got Death Shadow, mm-hmm. Strangler's Woods, and Dead Man's Eleven. Like, yeah. that is a great lineup heading into your last episode. And you get this episode. That's why it was only 9.99 million people who watched it. I, uh, <laughs> I think maybe nine total people should have watched this episode. What's the first episode of the next season? Give me something to look forward it's to. Death of a Stranger is our next episode. And that's the one where Barnaby goes on vacation and the other guy takes over this the case. Yes. And he's so frustrating. Yes. And Barnaby's like... That's a good one, though. Yep. It's got, it's got horses, it's got tramps, and it's got uh, fox hunts. Yep. Oh, yep. and the fake fox. Yep. <laughs> no, no, this is not the one with the fake oh, fox. No, 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 that's right, that's right. So, yeah, that's right. This we is have, the hunt. We have that one next season. But, but wait, but wait, the little old lady who lives in the woods in the next episode, I think she lives in Orville's wagon. Yes, I think so. The next, then we have Blue Herrings, which is the, the great episode with the old ladies. So, if you listen to this episode of our podcast and you got really tired of us saying, oh, this episode of Midsummer sure did suck, it was so horrible. Tune in for the next one because it does get better. It does. And we won't just whine about how bad it is. And this is still, you know, so much better than so many other shows. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's a low point. 
It's not the worst episode yet. Well, it's the worst episode yet, but it's not the worst episode ever. I don't think. So here's another kind of controversial thing. And I'm going to throw this out because I'm, I'm eager to hear what our audience thinks about this. Um, so one of the notes I have is that Kevin McNally, who played Orville Tudway in this, he plays Jap in the um, ABC murder Poirot with John Malkovich playing Poirot. Yes, he does. Which I think is a kind of controversial Poirot. Yes. As far I as I'm agree. concerned. I know it's not a midsummer, but I it wonder. It rewrites Poirot's backstory. Yeah, a lot. So if this midsummer wasn't so good, I'm, I'm curious about what people think about John Malkovich as Poirot and yeah. about uh, Kevin McNally as, as Jap. I liked him as Jap. Not as good as Jap, the real Jap. <laughs> With the David Suchet Jap. The right? David Suchet Jap. Yeah. That's the real Jap. But but it's uh, it's interesting. And and we get Kevin McNally again in um, Noble Art in another Midsummer in What's 2010. Noble Art? I can't give you the summary oh, of the plot. Oh, I know what Noble um, Art is. But I, I think it's a better episode than this one. It, so we, n- we get another chance No, with him. you've forgotten Noble Art. Because okay. I think Noble Art's the piano teacher. We'll see. Okay. So, um, Toby Jones. Yep. Which who who was our coroner when George was away? Yeah. He's the son of Freddie Jones, yep. who was also in a Midsummer. Yeah. Right. So they were our first father and son who were both in Midsummer's, not the same episodes, but different. But they were both in the series. Yeah. And now we've got Honeysuckle Weeks, whose sister is in another episode later. What's her sister's name? I didn't write it down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like Felicity Weeks. Okay. She, she, she's not like um, Petun- of Petunia or anything. No. Honeysuckle's got the got yep. the only plant name. Um, but her sister is in an episode later. And if you saw them next to each other, you'd say, oh, yeah, those two are, yeah. Okay, maniacs. <laughs> our Twitter handle is at, midder, at Midsummer Maniacs. Our Instagram handle is at Midsummer Maniacs. We're all over the Facebook. We're all over the Twitters. Please keep coming back with all sorts of reviews and input we love every last minute of it if there's something redeeming about blood will out that you saw that we didn't see tell us yes if there's something you disliked about it as much as we did tell us please and you know again just thank you so much for listening and uh next week we will have uh death of a stranger yeah season Season three, three episode one halfway through uh troy's tenure booyah All right, Maniacs. Bye, Maniacs. Bye, Maniacs. that lady in the in the background of the um the rome what they're not they're not roamers or meanders what are they called wander no travelers no the walkers the people who like to walk oh ramblers ramblers thank you gosh hmm